0: All right, everybody, welcome back to After the Battle Campfire. Today we are doing an episode just with me. Um, I was going to have some Afghan war vets come on, which we'll probably have in the next few weeks, to talk about how they're feeling and what's going through their mind in the past week. Actually, past two weeks, now that I think about it, since the Taliban effectively overran Kabul and caused us to be in this weird place that we're in right now. So I'm just going to ponder some thoughts here and talk. This will probably be a fairly short podcast, probably somewhere in the 20 to 30 minute range, I think. So let's start with what we know. Today is August the 31st, 2021. And being that it's August 21st or 31st, sorry, we have effectively as of Roughly 1800, so 6 pm, August 30th, depart, Central Standard Time, departed our last flight out of Afghanistan, which I think they're I think they're 10 hours ahead of us here. So it would have been just right around midnight, early in the morning on the 31st, their time. So what does that mean? As it stands right now, We have zero troop presence in Afghanistan. Uh, There are thousands of people who were supposed to be on the SIV visas that are now stuck. There's at least hundreds of American citizens who weren't able to get out. And as some of the news showed today, there are dozens of U.S. military working dogs that were left behind. Now, I don't know how that happened. Um, to me, that's just insane. Hopefully, the, the word comes out that they're not. Actually, the military dogs that were left behind, it was crates, because the pictures I saw, all you saw were crates. You couldn't tell whether there were animals in them or not. So we'll see. Um, but let's go back a couple weeks. So what was it, Sunday or Monday? the 14th or 15th of August a month almost to the day that we closed Bagram uh, the Taliban found itself outside of Kabul in force and in a surrounding position Uh, the Afghan president fled the country which no surprise there not saying that uh, that these people in the political offices were week or whatever we can leave that for another time as people as things come out and we learn more and more and more but what we can say for sure is that the president uh, uh, ghani i think his name was he decided to flee um which in turn the Afghan military basically said, we're out of here. Some of them appear to have gone up to uh, the Punjab Valley to meet up with um, Ahmed Ahmed Mahood, who is the son of the leader of the Northern Alliance prior to the invasion of the same name, and they want a stage of resistance. But we really, let's just face it, we really fucked this one up. And when I say fucked this one up, There is fucking shit up. Like, you know, um, cutting the wrong leg off of someone in a surgery. Um, No, this one goes to a whole other level of fuck up. This is like huge fuck up. So where I was going with that is So what happened after the Taliban surrounded Kabul, Ghani flees, the military forces basically fade into the background to hide and try to get out of Afghanistan. And we start evacuating our embassies and most civilians around, and by the amazing feats of not just the United States, but our allies in Britain and Australia, Germany, we did an airlift that the last time I saw the numbers, it was somewhere around 120,000 people we were able to airlift out in under two weeks, which, or around two weeks, which is amazing. Um, And um, all props to those air crews, they were landing and taking off C-17s, C-130s, and who knows what other military aircraft were coming in there to get their people out. Uh, Around the clock for the most of it, there were some times when things were shut down. But that's about where, from the military side, things went well. We know that we had, what was it, back in late last year or early last year? Maybe, I'm trying to remember my exact dates, maybe pre-COVID or right after COVID started, uh, the former president, Mr. Trump, said he was going to do a peace deal with the Taliban, uh dependent on certain markers. You can go look up on the State Department's site. They have that deal. It's a publicly posted document. I've read it a couple of times. And that they would be out by the end of May. Biden took over and said, we're gonna extend it to September 11th. So for some unknown reason, and this is just my two cents, my personal opinion on this, we shut down the Bagram Airfield way too early. Um, in my opinion, I am not a military strategist. I'm not an officer because I'm not that stupid. I am also on the medical side and I know some tactical stuff because of my time with the Marines. But I'm saying you have a enormous air base with a ton of already existing security infrastructure why do you shut it down a month before Kabul falls? Now, in, Bi- in fairness to Biden, we'll say to be taken at his word, they said they didn't see this coming. I don't know how. I, I don't know how anyone can buy that as a legitimate excuse, mainly because we know when it comes to what type of assets we have available in that region of the world. The minute we started to say we're accelerating our drawdown, things like the NRO, the national reconnaissance office, the geospatial guys, uh, probably every cell phone in the country was being monitored in some way or another. We have signals, Intel, we have human, we have drones, we have, um, overflights by things like uh, AWACS and, um, oh God, the E3Bs, I forgot what they're called. We have probably more aerial and geospatial and satellite assets and signals assets that could have probably found a single Taliban member out of millions of people in the country and at least given us an idea of... Well, what Edward Snowden said was metadata could attract, okay, this guy's IMEI number on your cell phone went from Jalalabad to Kabul. Also, if we were running into, like my brain says that we probably were, to think that 70,000, I think they said, or somewhere, some ridiculous number, let's just say, I think it was 75,000 Taliban exist in the country. Let's say 20,000 of them went to Kabul. These are going to be moving in a particular order or fashion. I don't think the average Taliban walked from whatever province he was in by himself uh, with his AK over his shoulder or his M4 that he got from one of the other fobs or bases or depots that were overrun when the Afghan army had them, and just walked there. The Taliban is pretty stone age, but they do know how to drive. So you would think that there would be some convoy-type activity that our reconnaissance assets would have picked up. Now, Biden says he was told by his military leaders, there was nothing we could have done. There was no way we could have seen this. Okay, cool. So we didn't see it, but we still gave up Bagram. And to me, that's a big issue because what happened on, I, why do I keep saying the 14th? I think it was the 14th of August. The thing that happened was we had a choke point. Okay. It's not a choke point. It it was a strangulation point. And don't want to be graphic choking kind of just makes you pass out. Strangulation kills you. And that's basically what we set up when we shut down Bagram. So I posted this somewhere else and i just want to say in my head had we kept bagram open um there would have been two points of exit from the country so what happened after the taliban rolled in was basically everyone ran to the kabul airport um why because it was the only means to get out it was the only way to get out of the country. Um, and when I say to get out of the country, I mean military, military, civilian air, um, inter Afghanistan air going from Kabul to Kandahar to Herat. The only way to get out of Kabul was by air anywhere. Um, yeah, you can always make the argument people got in their vehicles and drove away. But the only way to get mass amounts of people out without having to go through Taliban lines was via air. Because until yesterday, the Taliban didn't have an air force. And we'll get in that in a minute when we talk about what was left behind. So had we kept Bagram open, mill air, mill assets, State Department air, State Department assets... State Department uh, contractors, SIV guys, all of that could have gone out through Bagram. Well, and not just not just U.S. State Department, not just U.S. military, allied military, allied diplomatic forces or teams could have all gone to Bagram. There were birthing for thousands of people that we could have thrown them in those GP tents, in those hooches that we had there before we... Left. Um, we could have housed them. Uh we know we had C Rams and C Wizzes at bagram We've seen video of it, which are the um the C Wiz and the C RAM are basically the same thing. C Wiz is a close weapons uh interdiction system, I think. And I forgot what C RAM stands for, but they're the little R2 D2 looking guys with the big Gatling gun on the front of them that sit on the side of the ships and blow up incoming missiles. They were using, they developed the C-RAM to be part of a ground mobile thing, puts on a pickup, like a, not a pickup, but the bed of a, uh, of a trailer and can be moved around a base. Basically they shoot down incoming rockets, uh, mortars, the like. So we could have had a well-defended base with a usable airfield that was designed to have extremely large transports come in and out. I believe I saw somewhere that an AN 12, which is like one of Russia's largest ever made transport planes. I think it's the biggest in the world landed there back in the day. So all of this stuff, we could have split it and then let the civilians who wanted to leave, who weren't going to get their SIVs, their special immigration visas go out through uh Kabul commercial. We also... Could have been protected for what happened last week when we lost 13. Um, And this is an unofficial number because I saw someone who tweeted that their son had died on the way to Landstuhl, so 13 Marines and one Navy corpsman. And I believe that there may have actually been a soldier in there too, but with an ISIS suicide bomb not saying that they would not have attacked and maybe attacked more regularly during the evacuation, but they wouldn't, it would have been harder for that because the civilian population would have been trying to get out through Kandahar Airport, whereas the military, and like I said, the diplomatic evacuations would have happened over there. We also could have had air assets at Bagram. Um, I know that they were saying that there were fighter jets flying over, but were there fighter jets on the tarmac at Kabul? I don't know. I don't know if these were fighter jets coming in from Pakistan, from uh, whichever carriers out in the Arabian Sea, or whether these were locally stationed in Kabul. But we could have had that. We could have also, to be quite frank, when we put two and two together, when the Taliban were sitting outside the gates of uh Outside the gates of, um, Kabul, we could have used our air assets in conjunction with the Afghan military and maybe delayed it. Hell, for all we know, we could have called up some B-52s from uh, Diego Garcia and started letting it rain. I'm still a fan of, uh, whenever you leave a country that you're at war with and it's not on your terms, send them some partying gifts. That's just me. So anyways, back to this. So now we have Uh, Last week, a suicide bomber who killed, I don't know that they actually know the exact number yet because I keep seeing different reports between 170 and 220 Afghan civilians, 14 U.S. military service members, while trying to evacuate all of these people, which has turned into a shit show. So I know there's a lot of veterans out there asking, well, was my time in Afghanistan worth it? I never went there. I went to Iraq. I think if you helped one person in Afghanistan or killed one terrorist in Afghanistan, you have done a good job. And you hopefully for whoever you helped, if you were a corpsman or a medic and you treated a local that you, made that person's life just a little bit better. If you shot a terrorist, you kind of made the world a better place anyways. Um, War is fucked up. Let's just face it. War is probably one of the most fucked up things that man didn't invent, but man mastered. And when you're fighting for 20 years, there is a time, and I have always been an advocate of bringing the troops home, But like everyone else says, um, not in this fashion. I don't care your politics, but if you are so far up your team's asshole right now and you're okay with what just happened over the last two weeks in Afghanistan, please admit to yourself and admit to the people you disagree with and admit to your friends you're a fucked up human being. I'm just going to say it like that. You are a fucking dumb human being because you are putting your team ahead of everything else. And I don't think that's the right thing to be doing right now. We have families that have lost loved ones, whether we're talking about our military service members or whether we are talking about the Afghanis who were also killed. And we forget about that. Is there going to be good that will come out of us leaving? I think there will be. I think there is going to be people in Afghanistan who maybe are going to have a better life just because. I don't know how much a Taliban-controlled village, you know, 40 miles from the nearest highway, is going to differ than having an American fob in it, not not saying that they're equal, but saying these people are so far off the grid that their life probably, they don't probably don't care who was there. We saw that a lot in Iraq when we dealt with civilians. It was literally inshallah, which means God willing, God willing that Al-Qaeda is here. God willed that you guys are here. God willed that you, everybody leaves us alone. We're just going to go about our daily business the best that we can under the circumstances that we live in. So I do feel horrible for the people who were in the urban centers who actually got a taste of Western life. Now, is Western life the end-all be-it-all? I think it is, but maybe some people don't. Will their lives change? Hopefully not dramatically, but I'm... Betting that it probably is. So what could have been done? Um, One thing I heard today that I found very, very interesting from an Australian news reporter. And it was interesting that she was the only person who brought this up. So you can make the argument all day long. Trump said May 1st. One of the things that I took away from reading the peace agreement that he signed was May 1st with consequences. Biden chose September 11th and then went on national TV and said, we'll be out by August 31st. And the Taliban took that as, okay, you just change your date to August 31st, then we're done. The bigger issue that I think we could talk about is what would have happened if Biden, who constantly says, why would we stay there longer? Why would we stay there a day longer? Well, what this Australian news reporter brought up, was classic. Had we waited till winter, as defined by maybe not the calendar, but the winter months, so November, December, she brought up the point that Afghanistan's a fighting season country. The Taliban weren't notorious for dead of winter attacks. So had we left, say, December, when it's cold, there's snow on the ground, even in the Kind of the same fashion, shut down Bagram, evacuate all our people. It may have given the Afghan forces a few months to get better trained. Honestly, though, I think the whole problem with Afghanistan was the leadership. Not to not to say that the current leadership in the United States and the previous leadership did not have a lot of issues, but the culture, it, from what you can pick up from open sources about the Afghan leadership culture was it was highly corrupt. So I don't think, and I saw some open source reporting that there were uh, special forces units that wanted to fight, but they hadn't been paid in months. And I love every person I served with, but there's quite a few people I know personally who would have, if they were given the option when the government shut down happened. All right. Uh, this was, I'm thinking like 2011, 2010, when the government shut down for a month or two, when there was fear that we weren't going to get paid, I guarantee you, 85% of those guys, if they could have walked out of their contract, probably would have for failure to get paid. The idea that, this sounds horrible to say, the idea that people raw, and especially in a first world country, Just out of raw patriotism, we'll go fight is kind of a misnomer. There's a lot of people, even post 9-11, during the height of the war, that were signing up for GI Bill, thinking that they weren't going to deploy. So going to a country like Afghanistan, where you may not get fed if you don't get paid. You know, your family may starve. If you're not going to get paid, why are you there? Why am I putting my life on the line for this? There does not seem to be, and we saw, again, we saw this in Iraq. There doesn't seem to be a national ethos where here, in Great Britain, Germany, let me rephrase that. We'll take Texas out of it. Most states in the union here in the United States, you're an American first, you're a Californian, South Dakotan second, um, and you may be black or white or Hispanic third or second, however you personally feel about that. But a lot of the, uh, places in the Middle East, you're ex tribe first, then you're a Shia or a Sunni Muslim, then maybe you're a Iraqi or Afghani. So there isn't that built in opposite of I'm an Afghan first. I am, whatever tribe second, and then I'm a Shia. So I just wanted to open this up for discussion. I hope you guys enjoy uh, the, the talk so far. Again, like, subscribe. Let's talk about what was left behind. So what was left behind, besides quite a few shattered bodies and hopes and dreams, sorry, that was probably inappropriate, but it's how I talk, was masses of weapons. If, if this dog Issue turns out to be true. That's just disturbing that we left service dogs there. I mean, let's face it. That's borderline. Well, no, that's not borderline. That is animal abuse. That'd be like taking your best friend. Because I I know guys who were dog handlers, and they loved their dogs. You know, they're closer to their animals than some humans. So you took it, then you leave it? Like how do, how do we just leave a whole bunch of service dogs? Um, we did see some, or not we, I saw some footage today on Al Jazeera of them walking through one of the hangars. It looks like we left several, I don't know their designation, but they kind of look like little birds, but slightly bigger somewhere between little birds and like, uh, the typical police type helicopters you see flying over your city. Um, they had some MI-17s or for larger transports. They had, uh, there's now two famous videos. that are going around the internet right now, of the Taliban flying a Black Hawk over Kandahar in one video, they actually landed it. Um, but now in one, it was just flying and then there's another video. It may be the same. It's probably the same bird, but at a different time because it looked like it was later in the afternoon mm-hmm. and there was someone hanging out the bottom. So, don't know exactly what the story is behind that uh we can make the assumption it's a very bad ending for whoever that was so we left military aircraft um from the video of al jazeera at the kabul airport doing the walkthrough this morning you could see that we destroyed some stuff uh there were some cessna looking planes probably like a caravan type plane if you're a skydiver you'll know what a Caravanas. There were um, other things that were reported, C 130. I think there was one C 130 that they talked about, a ton of weapons. So, why would we leave this equipment behind? Well, this is the thing where I do have some issues with certain groups of people talking about this. We didn't leave anything behind in the sense that outside of probably a like, we all know how anal, if you're a veteran, how anal command is about giving you, um, making sure that you have, what's the word I'm looking for? Making sure you have, um, control of your weapon. So there were no U S military M 16s, M fours, name your nine mil Berettas, name your small arms that you may have carried in the military left behind. Um, we know how much positive control they ensure that you have. And if you lose your weapon, um, the base shuts down until it's found and then you go to NJP. These things that were left behind were left behind for the Afghan National Military Force and the police force. So do we need to take some responsibility for it? Yeah, of course we do. We probably should have left it, probably should have rethought how we disperse that, maybe over time or whatever. But it wasn't like the 101st Infantry Battalion or the 101st Airborne, you know, jumped in with a whole bunch of MRAPs and then exfilled and leaving all the MRAPs. No, this was stuff that was, technically speaking, the Ghani government's property in terms of being from Afghanistan. That being said, does it look bad that it, that Afghanistan's departure from the battlefield uh, in terms of their military left all of this stuff and didn't have it destroyed? Yeah. Um, and will the Taliban be able to use it? Well, we know they can fly a Blackhawk. Um, now, I was telling a friend of mine this morning, when it comes to the aircraft, it's really, really, really easy to take off and fly straight and level or turn. The hard part's landing. So I think just about anyone can get into a fixed-wing aircraft and figure out how to get off the ground. It's getting back on the ground safely. Are they... That well-trained? I doubt it. Do they have five or 10 pilots in their forces? Probably. Are they? Are those five or 10 pilots in their forces going to be able to do the multitasking of, let's say, I think they had some armed, uh, God, I forgot what they were called, but they uh, prop planes, fixed lower fixed wing with uh, some rocket pods and some guns on it. Can a guy who flies a Cessna, do an attack run effectively? Probably not. Then the bigger question and the thing that's being pointed out is the maintenance. I think the aircraft are a non-issue. Yeah, sure. You can get a Blackhawk to fly, but I watched a guy last night talk about uh, most aircraft are eight to one. So eight hours of maintenance for one hour of flight. So how many months, weeks, years can they fly, uh, this Blackhawk probably far fewer than, um, what we actually think are we really worried about the thousands, the hundreds of thousands of M4s it, that's up for grabs. Again, a thing that they teach you in the military is weapons maintenance. If you're not lubing, if you're not cleaning your rifle regularly, do they have the discipline for it? Yes. Cause they've been fighting a war for 20 years. Is it going to make them a more lethal force by having, m16s or m4s versus ak's eh? who knows um we'll see the humvees again humvees m wraps that that were left for the afghan national police and army they require maintenance so it depends i think though i can honestly say out of all the stuff that we've seen less left behind the one thing that's not going to be a player on any future battle space is going to be the aircraft. It's not just that you have to have the maintenance, but you have to have the fuel, the oils that are required for that. So I don't think those are players. It's to me, it's some of this other stuff that we probably really haven't heard about, like, uh, artillery pieces, shells. One of the reasons why Iraq was such a shit show for IEDs in the early days, I don't know how many of you remember double stacks, quadruple stacks, 24 stacks. What they were talking about were these artillery shells. And um, I had met a major who was an EOD guy while well, I was over there. And we were talking one time, and he was telling me, like, yeah, you know, Saddam had enough artillery shells because of Iran to literally, what was it? launched 30,000 rounds a day for 30 years. Afghanistan was a little bit different. They use a lot of homemade explosives, HME. Now if they can get their hands on a whole bunch of shells, that can change a battle space in terms of size of IEDs they can make. So we'll see. Um, in general, I don't know what to think of this. I'm not happy. I, I, I'm, not sad per se. I'm just indifferent, maybe numb right now. I t- think about people like Rodney Llewellyn and some of the other guys who I got the call. Why is that fourth recon that you know he had gotten blown up and we had to run his medevac and track him the whole way back? Um. So, was it worth it for him? That's going to be a judgment for the individual. Was it worth it? Would I have gone had I had the opportunity? Absolutely. Would, and had I gone looking back on today, would I say it was worth it? I think it was, I think it would have been, especially if I would have done my job as a corpsman, as someone who could have helped little local Afghan kids and women and adults, even if it was just for a short time, live a better life, you know, Um, clearing up parasites so they can shit right, Um, doing med caps so we can help people with infections. And of course, being there to support the Marines I would have been deployed with or other Naval forces that I could have been deployed with and if an injury or a wounding took place to ensure that they got the highest quality of care. So in my mind no matter what the final outcome, even if it looked like a shit show like this, had I deployed to Afghanistan, I would say it was worth it for me. And I can say that 100% because I know how you guys are feeling right now looking back at, what was it, like 2014, 2015, when Fallujah fell to ISIS. There was a lot of like, Hey, was it worth it? I mean, how many how many hundreds of people from the US military and from our allied forces and contractors died in Fallujah alone during the Battle of Fallujah and the years that came. My life was changed uh, in Fallujah and I wouldn't for a minute think that what I did for the individuals whose lives I touched I would have changed at all. Why? Because it's what we do. Now, we can bitch about the commander-in-chief, that we're all veterans. Um, There was a lieutenant colonel. Let me see if I can find his name. You may be hearing some clicking. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who was... A Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel at the Infantry Training Battalion in South Carolina probably by Paris Island I think that's I think that's where it's at. I think it's at Camp Johnson um, he did a video was relieved for cause and he today I saw a video where he said he was resigning his commission because he could not understand how He's held accountable for things that are done under his command, not being relieved for cause, but that's what his video was about. And how his leadership all the way up to SecDef and to um, the, I'm assuming he was talking about the Commandant Marine Corps, uh, Chief of Naval Operations. These guys that are above him, How they're not held accountable for their actions and how, you know, they can make these critical things that cost 13 Marines lives, cost a sailor his life and not be forced to resign. And even he said uh, later that he was not, what was it what I'm trying to think of? He would have done the same thing had he had a subordinate do what he did, posted a video on um, YouTube, and he probably would have relieved. If he was, say, a regimental commander and one of his battalion commanders had done the same thing, or hell, as a battalion commander, one of your company commanders did the same thing, he would have relieved him for cause. So he knew what to expect. Will we see more people stand up and do things that they are going to do out of conscience and leave the military? I think so will we see a decline in enlistments? I doubt it. Not yet. Um, That may come later in the next year or two, but the economy and no offense, the the Burger King guys, you get paid a lot better in the military. So there's still an economic reason to go into the military, not necessarily patriotic, but you guys, I'm going to end it there. Um, I know this guy has been a downer, but for all my Afghan war vets that listen You know what? Keep your heads up. You did good for the people you had contact with. You did even better when you shot a terrorist in the face. See? We can all make this nice and everything just kind of works out. Yeah. Do you need to have a conversation with yourself about your commander-in-chief or the commander-in-chief if you're a blinded person who believes there's nothing that that person could do wrong. I think you do. But you guys, uh, we're going to have a guest on the next episode. And if you stand by for the next couple minutes, we will come back. Actually, I'm going to give it about 30 seconds and then we'll come back and I'll give you some updates. Take care, guys. Again, oh yeah, I'm trying to get better at this. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on... After the Battle Campfire, go ahead and check us out on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere else. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. So I'm back. I'm just going to give you guys some quick updates before we sign off for this podcast. So the first one being, I will be traveling probably to California towards the end of the month until probably the 10th or 12th of October. So we probably are going to take a few weeks off from the podcast come mid-September. I'm always looking for people to come on the podcast. So if you are interested, please do me a favor and, uh, Follow us on social media at the modern Ronin on Instagram. Send me a DM and we'll make something happen. I also want to say that I know this show was a little bit different. Um, I don't think there's going to be any video posted, but I need you guys to do me a favor. Go out to the modern Ronin page on Facebook, subscribe, share, comment, please go back and look at some of the old videos that we did and Give us some comments. Go out to YouTube, The Modern Ronin, and start giving me some likes, some thumbs up. Even if you guys really aren't watching the videos, just do me a favor and subscribe. And as always, following me on Locals at modernronin.locals.com. If you guys want to contribute to the show in a financial way, sign up, join. We're going to try to get better at getting uh, podcasts and stuff up there. I really, really want to make this work and go forward. We're not growing as fast as I want to, and only you guys can help us. Thanks again. Have a good one.